welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm joined today by Luke. Hello. And by Lauren. Hello. And today we are carrying on our series looking at the Salvation Army's mission priorities. And the topic that we're going to be looking at for today is serve others without discrimination. Uh, we're not going to jump straight into it. It's a huge topic. So we're going to start with something a little bit easier and talk about our best and worst service experience in the food and retail world of service. Okay, so I'll, go, I'll start. Okay. Um, I think my worst customer service always seems to happen with all these online chat systems. Mm. Yeah. Um, they seem to be the bane of my life at the minute. When you think you're speaking to a real person and then they just direct you back to the frequently asked questions again. And you yeah. just never you just never get get to speak to a real human who has any sort of empathy with your situation. Mm. Um so that's my rant for the day. Yeah, that's a good one. I had a similar one actually with um a gym membership I tried to cancel. And it's the classic example in trying to cancel a gym membership. But um, I went on the website and they said, oh, it's really easy to cancel. Just head to this website and click cancel. Head to that website and there's no option to cancel. But it says, oh, go to this help guide so you can cancel. I go into the help guide, look for it. And it says, oh, it's really easy to cancel. Just head to this website. So I head to the website and that just sent me back to the help guide. And I just caught in this loop. So I send them an email and explain what, what's gone on and the loop I'm caught in. And they come back to me the next day and go, oh, it's really easy to cancel. Just head to this website. And I almost lost my mind. Um, but magically, a few days into this, the website changed and there was a button there. So I wonder whether it just on, on a full moon, they add the button there to say that it actually works. And then they change it back for the rest of the month, maybe. But I, I haven't figured it out. So mine's also online based. Uh, I think I think the lesson here, folks, is um, don't buy stuff <laughs> um, obviously online because it clearly doesn't work um so mine's really niche um so obviously during the caroling season um i i tend to play tuba so i was looking for a carry strap so i don't have to break my back and i went on to a music retailer and found a perfect tuba strap that was going to work it was going to look really nice i was like excellent 44 quid bargain happy days that's cheap lauren that sounds extortionate for a belt get a rope <laughs> <laughs> a rope would be easier but anyway so so so, 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 so this tuba strap i thought excellent great in stock shipping in three to five days excellent caroling seasons just about to start i won't have any back problems um five days passed nothing a week passed, nothing. Send a chasing email. A week passed, nothing. Go to PayPal and go, hey, PayPal, I've not heard anything from obviously these guys. Can you chase it up? Yeah, sure thing. A week later, nothing happened. And they eventually, I just lost my rag and said, right, I'm going to escalate this to the highest possible level of PayPal that I can do. And I got my money back. Like the company, the music retailer never actually bothered to answer any emails. Oh. It was the most frustrating month of my life. And now I have chronic back pain from, from basically carrying a tube around. So, oh dear. Uh, play okay. a lighter instrument, folks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can we have some positive stories. Positives. Yeah, I've got a good positive one. 
that it was Sophie's, uh, my wife's 19th, 20th birthday. And um, she's really into her coffee. And um, we were at university and I ordered her a coffee machine. And I got, you know, they do those ones with like the pods. And I, I got like five or six different packs of pods so she could try a bunch of these different flavors. And I hit order and um, it came up saying it failed. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, I tried again, failed. And I tried about five or six times and it, it just failed. So I just like, okay, I'm gonna leave it. I'll order them in, in, in the morning. And uh, next morning I wake up and I have six emails in my account um, saying, um, your order is successful, your order is successful, your order is successful, your order is successful. <laughs> and a whole load of money that I didn't have flying out of my bank account. Um, I panic and ring up their helpline um, at, uh, at the coffee place and they replied, uh, well, they, they said on the phone, oh yeah, this happens a lot, it's our mistake with the website, um, don't worry, we refunded you all but one. And I was like, oh, thank you. What do you want me to do with the ones when they arrive? And they just said, keep them all and um, that's all good. So when it got to Sophie's birthday, I just laid out all of this coffee across like her whole room at uni and there was just coffee everywhere uh, and it took her genuinely years to get through all of those pods unfortunately she didn't like one of the flavors so they were completely wasted but <laughs> did you ever fess up that you hadn't actually bought them all oh no I told her straight away um but she just it's the sort of jammy thing she says I get away with um so yeah um best customer service um I've had was probably at a steakhouse um, myself and Ed and basically our respective other halves um, went out for steak and we had the most quirkiest waiter imaginable, full of personality, um, cracked jokes, just a genuinely nice guy. And yeah. like, like the steak was really good anyway, but he just sort of made the afternoon. It was really quite nice. And Yeah, and he really knew his stuff, didn't he? Like yeah. everything we asked he knew exactly um, what what um, what the best way of doing it was, and if we like, I think one of us said, "Oh, I'll have this steak, and I want it medium rare." And he was like, "Oh, maybe if you go for that steak, it'll be better medium rare than that one because of this and that and whatever." Um, but yeah, it was really good. I think the best customer service tends to come from people that just genuinely look like they love their job, don't yeah, they? Yeah. They just they their job obviously brings them some joy or even if it doesn't they're trying to find joy within the job that's an interesting point that we can come back to when we talk about church service isn't it how much do we love doing it <laughs> absolutely um i think my best customer service i once was at um i won't name the retailer because there are other shops available um but i was trying some clothes on and this girl again obviously just loved her job or was either trying to find joy or whatever but she was just like bigging up everything every time I came out in whatever outfit I'd put on she was just like yes you look amazing that'd be great for this that'd be great for that and she was just like bigging me up and I was like I literally don't know you from Adam but you've yeah. literally just boosted my confidence loads thank you so much um and it was just a really lovely um yeah just a, lo a lovely interaction that's really cool it's amazing how much kind of service like that can affect affect your mood and affect how you see yourself even I guess yeah So we've broken this mission priority down into two sections and we're going to be talking about 
service and how we serve others and then the without discrimination component as well. But before we jump into that, I just want to mention the listener group. And with all of these conversations and all of these topics that we discuss on the podcast, we are always hoping that we would hear from the listeners as well, because we don't want this just to be a conversation amongst us um, on the podcast, but we want to make it a conversation amongst all of us, including those who are listening as well. So we'd really love to hear your thoughts and your feedback too. And the best place to do that is on the listener group on Facebook. So to find it, just head to Facebook and search SSOM. SSOM, if I can say it properly, listener group, and you'll find it just there. Uh, so now on to service. Uh, and I guess the best place to start with this is what, what does service look like in your context, in your church? So in my church, um, service takes place in um, many different ways. Um, I think I will normally think of Sunday service um, in terms of our um, group of the um, golden girls who are basically all in their eighties that just love to do the teas and the coffees and they take great pride in it. And we've recently brought, bought a like um, a tea trolley and they absolutely love it. So they like wheel it out and like they stand by it and they are proud as punch of it. And they love serving tea and coffees Um I experienced the wrath of trying to stop them when I was like, no, no, I can do it. Sit down and like, nope, I will serve tea and coffee. Yeah. That was me told. Um, (laughs) And I think other ways, um, like the go-to ones for our church setting is we have a lunching club. So we obviously feed people, which is a pretty obvious way of service. Um, And I guess perhaps in a slightly more niche sense, I'd like to think that our toddler group is serving the mums that sort Absolutely. of come along yeah. um so i'd say that's how service looks um so in our church context um i've been on a bit of a journey with service really i think and since i've um started working for the church um i i was always under the impression that service was doing 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 um whereas i kind of especially during the pandemic of kind of been on a bit of a journey with what what service looks like for me and actually I was doing a lot but actually was everything that I was doing service so we've kind of focused a little bit more on being with people instead Mm. of doing for people um and and through that journey we've kind of tried to simplify some of our program um and try and think about this at the minute this is a mammoth task and actually what is the 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 fruit of that I guess um and actually can we simplify it and still get the same level of fruit from it and still provide that same support and actually we've we've looked at every program and said okay what what is the purpose of it are we trying to serve people by meeting a need through is it is it hunger do they need food at an affordable rate or is it that they need um, support with loneliness and isolation or is it that they need um, a place to belong or is it um, that they want to explore faith um, and kind of like looking at what the specific need is and then how we can try and serve and meet that but kind of as simply as we can with the resources that we've got and be a little bit realistic about it um, so that we can be as fruitful as possible really if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a huge point you raised there about that being with not always doing for. 
And I think this is a bit of a, a mindset shift that we're seeing in the church at the moment that is so fascinating. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant as, as a way of looking at service. Um, so in, in our context, I guess we, we have the elements of, of, of service in that, like during lockdown, we did the food banks, every um, food bank stuff. Every Christmas we do the toy appeal, that sort of thing, that sort of classic seeing a need in a community and meeting those needs. But I absolutely would include like um, our kids club, even though we, we don't do anything over the top, we just open the space up and say, we're here and we just spend time with people. And we don't, we've actually scaled back how much we do in that in terms of like over the top craft or like running like lots of games and having it really organized we just have the space open and what we found is that the families have started treating it as a second living room in a way like the kids come running straight in and they just feel so comfortable in the space we sit and have teas and coffees with the parents and like we play games with the kids but it's all very spontaneous and and all over the place and that that seems to work for us and I, I really think there's huge power in in that being with in that not being so busy doing for that you have space to like that you don't have space to have conversations and build genuine relationships and I think yeah sometimes we get too absorbed in that surface level need I guess the first thing you see as being need um, that we can't actually see one the assets of a community and and some of the strengths that it already has um but to also that actually you can get to some of those deeper needs through relationship and actually that sense of community that sense of togetherness and connection and relationship is at, as much a need for many people as as um i guess food or in other other things that we would perhaps otherwise notice i almost think it's a shame in a way that um, that actually like when we've typically served people we've done so thinking we know all the answers yeah. we know what we're doing like we are the service providers we are the professionals uh yeah i think of particularly you know the salvation army's life houses and and how that is a service and we are good and we are very good at providing that service um but i think you're both really hitting it on the head about how we need to perhaps broaden our mindset of what service actually is and, and actually don't look at it from the point of that we are the provider that has all the resources um because actually they might have something to bring to, to to actually to actually serve us as as, as we're sort of serving them mm. um i can I think of one example of that um i was doing a um Christmas Christingle and we opened it up to everyone and it was a bit of chaos, a bit, a lot of chaos. It was like 120 people. We'd got a load of turkeys and we're cooking them all day. And we just like did tons of food. And what was really quite nice is like I was sat preparing to like go and do the short thought at the end and going and, and just sort of sat watching the, the wonderful beautiful carnage like unfold and then this like 10 year old boy comes over to me and basically hands me this plate of like turkey and stuffing and potatoes i was like i was like that's brilliant and like how like we as the church were serving them but then in turn they served each other mm. and i think i think there is an element of 
like it can become almost like that knock on effect of like if you serve someone or they're being served, they also want to repay that back. And I think there's a, a really like, like good for the soul sort of feeling when you've got a community that is living in service and is working like in sort of service. Um, my fiance absolutely loves the Amish community for that exact reason in that everything they do is serving one another mm. and they obviously there's obviously really practical things of like they all eat together they all cook together and they even raise barns together but there is the idea of they serve within this community and then go and serve outside their community and i think the 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 whole life and the 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 more well-rounded idea of service being a a being as sort of, as sort of well of as yeah a being as well as a doing is something that I think we that is something not to be missed. So yeah, you were spot on for highlighting that guys. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying about that if you build that community and you spend time serving people, but then allow that space for the for people to serve each other as well. Like we've definitely seen that in the way that we've stripped things back. And actually when we were running at 100 miles an hour, we were trying to meet all these different needs. And actually it, it became quite surface level whereas actually when you're spending time in relationship with people and journeying with people in in groups actually you find the the absolute like oh, what's the word um true lauren style um like just just the fruitfulness mm. of, of other people's skills and assets and oh well did you know about this and did you know about that and um we've been able to build some amazing relationships in the community with other providers and things by just being around and having those conversations and yeah yeah we we've definitely seen the benefit of that i heard someone say once uh the, the phrase the hand that gives is always higher than uh, higher than the hand that receives and quite often we like to put in us, ourselves in the position of the person that gives because there is a sort of implicit power dynamic there that if you are the one with the answers, with the resources, with the solutions, that you you maintain control and you maintain power, whereas those that are dependent on you have to surrender that power. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic at, at play within this service conversation because um, we like to make sure we are in the space of host, inviting people into our place of power, inviting people into our, our spaces where we can provide for them. And we don't have to acknowledge our own vulnerability and our own deficit. And um, actually putting ourselves into the position of guest is really powerful in that we, lo we, we, we it's a hum humbling experience, isn't it? Because you acknowledge in a way our, our own need and you allow others to you allow the assets of others and and what other people have to come to the fore and to be acknowledged and to be honored and i think that's something we as the church are not good at doing in allowing ourselves to enter that space of guest i think something i've seen of that obviously i've um, been watching the chosen of late and just mm -hmm. as you were saying hosting guests i thought i thought of one of one of the episodes where um they're having a significant feast or something. And then Jesus is like hanging out in this pretty rough neighborhood and then goes to the house of like Mary Magdalene 
and then she looks at him to go and like break the bread and then Jesus goes no no you could do that yeah and like it's really like it's not neat and she forgets her words wrong and it's a little bit disorientated but it's actually really quite special to see this group of deemed misfits all come together and and actually Mary Magdalene who was on the fringes who 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 would who would you would typically um assume to be the one that needs the service is the one that is serving other people and and I really like the way that the chosen did that um I think sometimes I think I think we're very much touching around we've very much touched on this but service can at times has felt certainly for me anyway has felt a bit like a conveyor belt in that we are just rolling off hmm. this different support packages we can offer them food we can offer them clothing we can offer them gas electric top up and it's almost like things are flying at them and they and and actually you know you almost see it as like how many how many how much can we do and we've looked for um quantitative numbers of how many food parcels we've done or or, or how many toy parcels we've done mm. and that's a helpful stat at helping to understand the the sort of size of the need but actually when you can spend the time as lauren's been saying to actually have those chats with people and perhaps slow it down so it isn't a conveyor belt you can actually get to know the people better and you can start to unpack the perhaps reasons why they feel that they need um, a service as such. So yeah, I think it's um, seems to be slowing down seems to be a pretty good idea at the moment with, as far as service is concerned. And I think sometimes we think that saying yes to somebody means that we're serving them, but how about you can actually serve people by saying, actually, no, we're, we're not going to give you this thing that, that you say you need right now. You can actually, serve them by saying okay we're not going to give you this food parcel we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about what's going on and we're going to get to the root of this need or um actually what is going on here and that sort of thing and actually I think sometimes as a, the charity side of things we we get a bit scared to say no to people and we get a bit scared to to kind of have those difficult conversations but actually that they're, they're the conversations that that Jesus would have had he would have had those difficult conversations and he would have sat with someone and taken that time um, and sometimes I certainly feel sometimes just easy to say yeah 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 I'll just I'll, I'll I'll get that ready for you that's no problem we'll sort that but actually the, there's power in in taking a step back and serving people um through the difficult things as well yeah I guess there's also a capacity uh thing at play there as well in that we could like every one of us in in the church really could fill all of our time constantly meeting needs of our community and that could become nine to five that could become 24 7 if you let it it would be all consuming and actually what space is there for like that depth of conversation do we make what space of that is there for um, building relationship and sharing the gospel even I think we can push out all of these things to the edges of what we do if we focus just on the need aspect. But I think Jesus really sort of touched on that because um, I can't remember which gospel account, but he talks about how like, um, he, I think he says to his um, closest friends that like the poor will always be with them and that you'll always have these people. 
um, but actually making the most of the time that you have, you, you obviously have with me. And whilst that might not be the exact same situation today, and and whilst we don't obviously want the poor to be always be with us, I think there is certainly value in actually um, spending time with the people um, because you know we are. I think the best way that we can, I think a lot of people, a lot of the times when people seek service, I think they are seeking relationship as well. And then I think that we do them a disservice by actually assuming that all their needs are purely physical. And actually we do, I think we do a great, them a greater disservice by actually not valuing the contributions that actually they can bring. Um, so yeah, I think there's um, lots to take away from this idea of service and uh, actually how we serve um, each other and also our wider communities as well. So the second section of this that we've picked out is without discrimination and we recognise this is a huge topic that we could probably do a whole series just on how can we um, serve others without discrimination focusing on that second section but we we don't have a whole series to do on it we're just going to spend the rest of this episode talking about that Um, so yeah forgive us if we miss things but uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about our experience and I thought a good place for us to start would be, I guess, for me to share a little bit of how how I've journeyed in this world a little bit. And um, growing up, I I was come from a fairly middle class uh, background, and um, I always remember going to school, and um, I would hang out with the the geeky music kids um, who were in the computer lab at lunchtime playing games, who were down the music uh, department writing songs and. Um, being being generally quite weird and we would always try and avoid the chavs as so-called that was the language we were we were um, using and I guess that's a language in a way we were hearing around us and we're growing up with and um, that that became something of um, an unconscious bias that as I've grown up and started working in uh, in the church that I've had to deal with so I, I remember when I first kind of started running uh, youth clubs or that sort of thing. And we would have a whole bunch of youth show up all wearing track suits with a monster energy can in their hand um, coming in to our, our clubs. My instant thought was, oh no, <laughs> these people aren't like me. And and that was a real barrier actually for for me, me interacting with them, with me building relationships. And that's something I had to begin to unpick. And I, I, I described that as unconscious bias, becoming conscious in a way that I didn't realize I had the, a problem with, with these people. And actually the problem was with me, not them. Um, and as I got to know them and as I built relationships and had relate uh, and actually yeah, had, had names and, and faces, um, to a whole group of, of people that I would mischaracterize before, uh, it began to break down some of those unconscious biases. And I guess this is a bit of a, a doorway to a wider subject in that I don't know what other unconscious biases I, I may have. Um, so now I'm I'm just going through a bit of a process of trying to think through and analyse the way I respond to situations in, is do I have some sort of unconscious bias? Do I have some sort of 
thing that is preventing me from serving without discrimination because that's definitely a process I've I've had to work through once in one instance already and I imagine there are other blind spots I've got that I perhaps need to work through. Uh, what what do you guys think about this whole without discrimination thing? I think with the um, biasing, it's something that is sadly so easy to do. Yeah, it's like you know, you always you know like I can remember being brought up saying, "Oh, you know, um, be careful of these sorts of people because they're always going to be the bad people," and then and then you actually meet these stereotypical bad people. And they're the nicest people you could ever hope to meet. Um, and I think it's that, you know, society tells us that, like, the big hulking dude that's got tattoos all over, who's got half his face covered in piercings, is going to be a really nasty piece of work, who's going to be part of a gang and whatever. And then you actually meet that person and he is the biggest softie you could ever imagine. Um, and I think it is a real challenge as to us as a, to us as a society as to how we can break down the stereotypes um, that we hold, because I think they can stop us from actually um, being the best version of Christ that we can be to these people. Um, you think about the way that Jesus served other people, and he served with. And he served those who sort of the rest of society like to discriminate against. You know, you think back in the, you think back to the gospel and it is um, the prostitutes. They were the ones that were shunned. Jesus spent time with them. He spent time with this, with, with like tax collectors. Again, the scourge of society spent time with them. Um, lepers, all sorts of people that were deemed as the people that you don't hang around with. And yet Jesus did that. And I think it's that real challenge as to when I am going about my day to day and I encounter people who perhaps look different to the way that I do, who perhaps talk obviously different to me and, and actually don't believe the same things that I do. How is the way that I'm serving them reflective of Christ? Because if I'm going about my, my, my day to day and going, well, you're not what I'm you're not what I'm familiar with I'm going to pass on the other side then you know um, even if I don't intend to do it I am actually um discriminating against that person uh, I think this the um story of the good Samaritan is pretty much case in point with that in that you know Jesus audience were expecting a you know a Jewish man to be to, to, to basically be the hero but for but for basically a Samaritan to come along and be the hero, I can kind of um, imagine them screwing their faces up and probably spitting and and saying some rather unpleasant things because you know they absolutely hated each other. Like they, you know, that is sectarianism at its absolute finest. And yet Jesus used that as a sort of an example, I guess, of of sort of how, whilst not explicitly done to sort of highlight discrimination but i think it's uh, there is lessons in there that i think that we can pull out if we're thinking about serving without discrimination yeah so i i guess one of the central things around facing these unconscious biases and making them and moving them to a conscious place that we can start to 
um, examine and make changes in our mindset, I guess, is listening to people that are uh, have experienced discrimination. Like Talking to me, me and Luke, we were just saying before the, uh, the recording that we are sitting in the most privileged uh, subsection of humanity in being straight white men living in the Western um, world and cisgendered and every sort of privilege, I guess, you could you could ask for. So we don't experience firsthand discrimination in any way that other, other people do. So it is very difficult for us to, to I guess there are many blind spots that we need to examine and that's probably best highlighted by listening to communities that have experienced discrimination. And, you know, there are so many communities that we could talk about and I don't think we're going to dive into any particular one uh one because it probably wouldn't be right for us to have those conversations without representation um but also um just because it's a time factor that we we could go into racism or homophobia or or anti-semitism or any other sort of area discrimination that perhaps is well it's definitely relevant to our society it's definitely relevant to our church we can't we can't pretend that these things don't happen and um and as much as I'd love to completely distance ourselves from them, there are probably areas that we need to examine in our own lives that um, that fit into those categories as well. But yeah, I think we need to highlight the importance of listening um, in all of that to communities that that can can explain it and can uh, give real world examples much better than we can theorize. And I think that's the key thing. It's like um, you know we like especially for myself and Ed, and like we can't. We, we will never understand what it's like to be a, you know, minority group that is subject to a lot of, um, of this sort of stuff. And I think the best, like, especially, um, I think around, um, the black lives matter movement, there was a lot of people saying like, actually let's give these guys the voice. Let's not try and summarize on their behalf. Let, let's actually give these people the voice and actually giving people the, the, the platform and, and perhaps um, in a way um, encouraging people to have to be given a space where they can feel that they can speak up and they can share the experience and actually give voice to things that are very, 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 very real to them. Um, because, you know, to me it is, com- it is by and large pretty alien um, but to some other person, it's going to be an everyday reality. So I think the the key thing here is to really give voice to those that do experience um, discrimination the most. And then the hope is that through hearing those stories and sharing them within the church, that there's got to be some positive change and hopefully there'll be more people with a similar attitude to what you've described, Ed, of wanting to examine and find out what those unconscious bias are and not seeing it as a pointing finger or an attack, but actually seeing it as a, no, this is a real problem and we can be part of the solution to it. Um, and I think like we've, we've got to be praying into that and we've got to be finding ways to, to give those platforms and to allow people the opportunity to share their stories of discrimination and I think as an organisation, that's the only way we're ever going to hit that mission priority is if mm. is if we're creating these spaces. And actually holding ourselves accountable to it as well. 
So it's all well and good allowing this space, but if we don't do anything about it, what's the point? I think, and and there is that real challenge that that I think we've we've all sort of picked up on as that need to sort of self-examine. Um, I think sometimes people um, like to sort of dismiss those that want to self-examine because they see it as a, a weak way of doing things. I think there's actual real power in um, actually turning off selfie mode and actually looking at the world from, from another person's perspective and not thinking that the world revolves around me, myself and I, and actually um, seeing it through other people's eyes and actually shining the light actually, actually onto them. And actually once that's been done, to do something about it because it's kind of pointless if we just talk the talk about doing it and then go, that was nice, but then go back to the old patterns and rhythms of things. Yeah. And that's, that is really tricky because when you take yourself off that selfie mode um, and actually you begin to see the systemic problems as well and see that actually society is set up in such a, a corrupt way that the the marginalized and oppressed are um, just marginalized oppressed consistently and uh, worse and worse and it doesn't seem like well I, I guess w- with the awareness nowadays perhaps we're moving in a better direction but um, it is a hard conversation when you look at the church as well and you know to I, I heard someone talk about how um, there's a, a big majority of the big majority of people in churches are female but actually, if you look at female leadership at the high level of most churches, it's very low. So there is a discrepancy there. And, you know, that that is kind of in, that is sexism at work within within our own church in a way. And that that's really hard to do. And I think the Savage Army have been very good uh, in some senses of that. Um, but not, you know, there is there is absolutely work to be done. There is huge work to be done. So over the Easter period, um, almost quite fittingly, um, a series of sort of images have basically popped up which show Jesus um, sat washing, uh, obviously washing different people's feet. Um, You've got the rich at one end, you've basically got the poor at the other. And I believe on Monday, um, we're going to be posting these images for you to see, and these are going to be put into the some sort of miracle um, listener group. And you'll be able to obviously see these for yourselves and perhaps for you it might be a chance for you to reflect upon how easy you would find it to perhaps serve these different types of people yeah and that that is such a challenge isn't it because i think we would all love to say yeah we serve without discrimination absolutely that's just something we do um but i i do think sometimes that sort of language that sort of sweeping statements can brush under the carpet the unconscious bias those things that uh, perhaps we don't recognize until we're confronted with a situation where we're called to serve uh people that perhaps we don't come across or too often or or perhaps we're put into a new environment and um we are faced with new ways of challenging ourselves i guess so um i think that's a really helpful exercise to look at so thanks luke for bringing that but uh, that's just about all we have time for on today's episode thank you so much for listening and i do hope that you've enjoyed uh, the conversation we would really like to hear what you've got to say on this we'd really like to see any sort of um 
stories or any sort of learning that you'd like to share we know that we highlighted the need to listen to other people in in this and we do mean that so if there are conversations other podcasts other video clips other books or resources that have been helpful to you or highlight stories that you think perhaps would would help fill in our blind spots we would love to to see that and we'd love to uh, follow that up with some conversation too so please do share that in the listener group or by messaging us privately um, wherever you can find us. But uh, until next time, bye. Bye. See you later. Be well. <laughs> <laughs> I perhaps drop the be well for once. <laughs>